Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. Oh, you make it the most important podcast in the universe. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I will say this. Typically, there is some editing that goes on this podcast. Ha! Huh, shocker, right? We're not perfect, even though we sound like it. Uh, that's not going to happen. It is 12.13 a.m. on the East Coast. Round one just finished. I have a, cough, a cup of coffee in hand, and Roto Pat and Ray Summerlin here joining me. There will be no editing on this podcast. What you hear is what you get. What we say is what you get. Um, we're going to go through every single selection. But before I do that, I should at least say hello to my friends. Patrick, how are you? I'm good. I have not been up 79 straight hours uh, <laughs> writing uh, rumors about players who ended up going nowhere even close to that rumor. So I'm doing great. Yeah. It's like every year we care about these rumors and buzz stuff. And then six hours later, it just all turns into dust and it never mattered in the first place. It's kind but. of fun because one or two of them usually bear out. And sometimes yeah. it gives a window back into at least like sometimes the rumor like doesn't come true, but there was like truth to it. And sometimes you can kind of right. like suss out a team's what they're like actually thinking afterwards. So they're valuable from that perspective. But yeah, usually a pretty short shelf life. Hello, Raymond. Hello. How are you? You know, just over here dodging in-game spoilers like the Raiders dodge good draft value. Just <laughs> got it. All right. <laughs> Ray's uh, he's automated at this part of this this part of the evening. Great. Okay. So, like I said, we are going to at least discuss a little bit every single first round selection. So all of you get your fill. Um, we'll spend a little bit longer on a number of the players and prospects, which everyone's catch our fancy, catch our attention as we go along. We should start with number one, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, again, despite all the blurbs that Pat wrote, um, the Arizona Cardinals ended up <laughs> selecting uh, quarterback Kyler Murray with a number one overall pick out of Oklahoma. I mean, is this as simple as, hey, this is a player that the new head coach that you just hired wanted to play quarterback? That's an important position. So this was the selection. Yeah, you hired a guy who like literally, what, six months, less than six months ago, said that if he had the number one pick, this is the guy he would pick. And we all like had to act like that wasn't going to happen. But he literally said this. So yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> this is what had to happen. And I think it's a great move. I love Kyler Murray. And I think that it's really important to understand that even if you think Josh Rosen is going to be a good quarterback, and it's possibly will, and I think that trading for him for, from maybe – you know, Washington's out of that mix now, but trading for him with, you know, the Patriots trading for him or maybe the Chargers trading for him. I think it makes a ton of sense, especially given how cheap he is over the next several years. But Kyler Murray is on a different level. He can do so many more things both inside and outside the pocket. He is the kind of quarterback you're looking for that can make this offense dynamic. And they had to do it. And from a fantasy perspective, I mean, this is a spectacular spot for him. You mean uh, Cliff Kingsbury needs to be fined for breaking the uh, <laughs> yeah. no spoiling policy uh, last October when he was still a coach in the Big 12. But I thought it was the pick that had to be made. I, I understand the question marks, namely the fact that uh, Kyler Murray is my height. Um, but in terms of like this, <laughs> uh, which is five foot ten, you know, there's nothing, you know, it's hey, the American there's nothing wrong average, with that, Pat. 
The American average for male is five foot nine. Okay, so Kyle Pat, you're I taller than five ten. He is not. Pat, you're taller no, than five ten. That is not accurate. He is definitely not. I was almost five eleven with shoes on, but I mean that doesn't count, you know. Um, but I was gonna say Kyler Murray. <laughs> uh, in terms of like explosive athleticism, and it's like a cannon arm. I mean, he's not Michael Vick, but I don't know if anyone has really reminded me this much of Michael Vick uh, until Kyler Murray. I think maybe even more than Robert Griffin the third. Just, just feel like he has a he has a gear. He's much stronger arm. I feel like than Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a better overall feel for the quarterback position. And uh, I loved Josh Rosen last year. I agree, he could still be a, a good, maybe even great NFL starter, but. It just it just made too much sense not to happen, sure. and it could be best for all involved. I mean, Josh Rosen getting a clean slate, fresh start, uh, and yeah, I just thought it was the pick that had to happen, and I'm glad that it happened. And like Rosen was never going to succeed behind that offensive line because he's an in structure inside the pocket quarterback, and you need an offensive line to put you at a certain level to succeed in that situation. And at least Kyler, I'm not saying like he wants to only win outside of structure; like he's really good inside of it, but he does offer that. You know. Um, mobility and athleticism that a lot of young quarterbacks have. I did, maybe this is f- like poor play here, foul play, but I do want to read this tweet from uh, former NFL exec Greg Gabriel from back in uh, February 11th. Uh, the guys who make these outlandish statements of Murray going number one overall, one, have never been in an NFL draft room, two, will never be in an NFL draft room, three, have no idea what the pressure of picking in the top five is like. They are playing fantasy football. Hey, guys, we play fantasy football. And I think Kyler Murray's <laughs> going to be a pretty good fantasy football pick in his rookie year because of that rushing upside. Yeah, I mean, the only concern you would have with that is that, you know, he's – there are a lot of quarterbacks. But, yeah, I mean, like if you wanted to build a fantasy quarterback in a situation that has probably better receivers than you think and an offense we think will be better with David Johnson coming back healthy, I mean, you're, you built a good lo- you built a good spot there for Kyler Murray in Arizona, I think. We were having an interesting conversation in the Slack chat, too, where Kyler Murray could kind of be like, with how like unsettled and like jumbled this rookie skill core class is, he could be the rare quarterback to go like in the top five, maybe even top three in like dynasty rookie drafts. So it's yeah. a fascinating situation from that regard, too. And my final thought on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals would be, what an amazing concept where you pair a coach and a quarterback who will play off each other's strengths. Um, maybe more teams uh, <laughs> should consider that. All right, let's move on to the 49ers at number two, taking Nick Bosa. And by the way, as I go with these, just interrupt me if you want to jump in with a sentence or two. Um, Yeah, look, this is a team that drafted Solomon Thomas, um, that drafted uh, DeForest Buckner, Arik Armstead, and need another edge presence opposite D Ford, have Fred Warner and Quan Alexander. Like that's quite a menacing front seven that they might be able to trot out there uh, in the NFC West. Number three, Quentin Williams to the Jets. There was a lot of buzz for Ed Oliver, but it just didn't make a lot of sense when Quentin Williams was just a superior player. And once again, for probably the 16th season, the Jets don't have an edge rusher on their roster that really (laughs) uh, threatens opposing offenses. Really, it's 15 years. Like, go back to John Abraham. That was 15 years ago. It's crazy. Now we get to number four, gentlemen. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the blurbs that Pat did uh, write ahead of this draft – um, I know Rap Sheet mentioned that, hey, there could be a surprise at number four. People questioned if, you know, that might be a quarterback. Then, you know, the brain trust that is Mike Mayock and John Gruden select edge rusher from Clemson, Clellan Furl, who does not have a straight from the old profile. country. First guy from Ireland, my fella, my uh, terrible joke. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, good. Pat, people get your terrible jokes today because I'm not going to edit them out like I usually do. Um, <laughs> First off, I'm going inter- to interrupt you. with a th- uh, It wasn't just like rap sheet saying this could surprise some people. He was basically reporting like the Raiders had told him they were considering a surprise, nice. like passing along like their opinion. Like, yeah, it's going to be a surprise, dude, uh, which is kind of like, uh, you know, then you, you know it's going to be good then. And uh, it did not disappoint, uh, did it? Yeah, I think the problem with this pick is not – with the player, like, I don't know. I don't think any of us know if he's going to be good. I think the issue is, and this, by the way, it has a fantasy side to it as well. The issue here is, all right, they're high on this guy. They're higher on this guy than really anybody else. They're higher on him than, you know, Josh Allen. They're higher on him than, you know, Brian Burns. are higher on him than a lot of other people. That's fine and good. If you trust your evaluation, that's great. The problem is, is that if you're higher than everybody else, then you mm-hmm. have to trade back. And don't tell me, well, they couldn't trade back. Take whatever you can get. 
literally whatever you can get. You could move back three and four picks, still get this guy. And even if you're just getting a six round pick back in that deal, which I mean, you would end up getting more than that, but you're still getting value. So this is more of just like a, just like an understanding the value of the draft pick kind of situation. And they did not play this situation correctly. Now, maybe they had Intel, maybe, you know, Farrell was, was higher on NFL draft boards than he was on the kind of, hashtag draft Twitter draft boards and what we've seen from the media types around, around the nation. But I mean, this really seems like a reach at number four to reach for this guy when you probably could have moved back. It just, it's a really odd decision. Even with the three first round picks, like this is Raiders team has, I mean, it was just crazily bad on defense last year. It's not like they didn't have needs, many, many, many needs on offense either. So even with the three first-round picks, I completely agree they should have traded back and accrued more picks just because this is the Raiders are definitely like a team that could use all the draft picks they could get this year. And like you said, they weren't just going to get like a throwaway fifth or sixth-round pick. If you trade back right. in the first round, you get a day-two pick at least at some point. Um, so I completely agree. And – so like I would ask you guys, like Josh, like I mean, amongst the three Clemson defensive linemen, I mean, was Farrell even hmm. close to clearly the best? Or no, no. And <laughs> the other guys obviously were, were interior guys. I actually had Cleveland Farrell at thirty uh, eighth overall, uh, and compare that to the other guys who were top twenty. And it's fine. Like I can be wrong, but and he's he's a yeah, solid I mean, player. Happen, but... Yeah, he's a solid player, but. He, like we don't have an athletic profile and that's kind of important for an edge rusher. What it does point to though, is that the Raiders are just going to draft based on mindset. And we have two more picks to get to and like personality. Mike Mayock even said that he, the Seahawks approach. Well, eh, that, that like he, he wants to know what like a Oakland Raider smells like. Well, I wonder what freaking Cleveland <laughs> for sm- anyways. Interesting. The, the funniest part was after the number four overall selection, Daniel Jeremiah's comp, for, for Cleveland Furl was Matt Judon. Like 99% <laughs> of the audience out there will not know who Matt Judon is. And it's just amazing that that was the comp for the fourth overall player. Okay. And, and I want to uh, make this clear on him because I, I really want to hit this. He might be good. They might be yes. right in their evaluation. Even if they're right in their evaluation, the decision to make that pick at four instead of at nine or 10 or wherever you could have traded back to and taken literally whatever they would have given you. It doesn't matter what that what they gave you. You would have been better off. But to sit there at number four, to make that pick, that's a very Gettleman-esque way to approach the draft. And <laughs> it is, totally. it's not understanding both the limitations that you have as an evaluator that we all have as evaluators and understanding kind of how the draft works and how it's supposed to work. And it's, I, I just, I think that the picks may, might not be bad. I have no idea if the pick's going to be bad, but the process to get to that pick is, is certainly, certainly something that you have to question. Let's go to the Tampa Bay bucks at number four, taking Devin white. This was one of those consensus picks that everyone saw coming yeah. and it makes sense uh, to pair him with, Levante David in a division that you have to face Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara twice a year. And uh, oftentimes, you know, decision makers make decisions based on who they face in their own division. Um, Okay. Then we go to the New York Giants at number six, first of what ended up being three first round picks. Uh, This quote, as we were recording this podcast, just crossed my timeline. uh, And the pick was quarterback Daniel Jones out of Duke. One, stunning. But two, here's Dave Gettleman. he saw other quarterbacks play during the regular season. This is from Tom Rock. And he did not see Daniel Jones in person until the senior bowl. Quote, he walked out there and I saw a professional quarterback after the three series that I saw. That's when I was in full bloom love. All right, dude. Hold on. He said he fell in love in three series at a all-star practice? Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. So, okay. It's not easy to look good in uh, shorts and t-shirts. So, so here, here's the thing, and I, I truly believe in what Evan said during the preview pod that we did, that so much, so many of the decisions that the Giants have made in the last couple of years have been not to hurt Eli's feelings. And like, if there was a bridge quarterback that would not hurt Eli's feelings, it would be the one that learned under the quarterback coach that helped him and David Cutcliffe. And so and, I, I think that that's part of it And went to the Manning the Academy and right. like has hung out with Eli Manning. Like it's right. like it's the connections are like they run deep. I called him in the headline an honorary Manning because that's what he is at this point. <laughs> and at number six, when there, there's so many talented players, you take him here. And I again, if you take a quarterback and, and we, we did 
we do bark at other decision makers when they don't do this, right? Like when they wait until their second first round pick, if they do like a quarterback, at least Gettleman did, you know, put it on the table and say, okay, I, I have this guy at the quarterback position that I like most head and shoulders above everyone else. And so I'm going to use my first opportunity to take him. At least he did that here. And in Gettleman's defense, I would say that there is at least buzz that other people liked Dwayne, Daniel Jones. There was at least buzz that Washington would move up to get Daniel Jones. So it's not like the Raiders situation. Like I really, like I would disagree with the Giants assessment of Daniel Jones to take him here at number six. But if they thought that he was the best quarterback, and they seem to think that, and if they thought there was a chance that he wasn't going to be there at 17 or they couldn't trade back up and get him ahead of maybe Washington, if Washington make a move, then this is this is a fine pick. We could disagree. We're wrong often. Uh, so, I mean, it's possible this works out. But, like, I don't think that this is as bad as, as the Oakland situation, even if maybe the player is not as good. So a sign that maybe you made a questionable draft pick when, like, all the justifications kind of like uh, – like positives of the pick are stuff that have nothing to do with the play on the field, which is like so much of the stuff uh, with Daniel Jones was like, Oh, who's coach was uh, who he knows, uh, you know, all these things that just have nothing to do with what he did on the football field and what he did on the football field. Uh, you know, he looked reasonably athletic. He throws a reasonably good ball, but uh, to me, he just, he looked like a prototype. I tweeted this the other day. He looked like a prototype second round quarterback to yeah. me, like someone where, there's not like no, there's like, there's not, it's not like he's a player where there's nothing exciting, but uh, there's so much projection involved and just so much, uh, just so much uncertainty that he's just, to me, uh, just like literally what I think of when I think of like the platonic ideal of a second round quarterback. And he went at number six overall. And for as much as, you know, we talk about David Gettleman, I'm sure he's smarter than me about football, hopefully, but, uh, this seems like it could be a legendary uh, Ponder-esque reach. Okay, we'll close out this Daniel Jones conversation with another real-time quote from Dave Gettleman. Uh, Kimberly A. Martin reports that Gettleman in his post-round one presser says that he sees Daniel Jones as a potential franchise quarterback. Hopefully he does that because he drafted him at number six. Potential? Hopefully. But also mentioned <laughs> that Daniel Jones could sit for three years. <laughs> so... So yeah, so I wrote this at the Ugh. end of the blurb as a, the best part of this pick for the Giants, and it's kind of a, to a point you made earlier, Josh, is that Jones is very unlikely to push Eli Manning for the starting job, at least during training camp. And that's probably <laughs> like the best possible outcome in the Giants' mind for this. Giants fans might think differently. All right. Let's- Year four, he's going to Mahomes this league. <laughs> All right. Let, let's go to number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, this is kind of a theme that you'll see throughout this first round in many ways. We know the Jaguars can rush the passer when they're at their best, almost better than anyone in the NFL. And they add Josh Allen, the edge rusher out of Kentucky. They make a strength even stronger at a position that's important to win NFL football games. And and that's cool. I actually kind of see Josh Allen as like a a smart, head-on-his-shoulders Deion Jordan in some ways. So that'll be an interesting fit with the Jaguars. Okay, number eight. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson goes to the Detroit Lions. Uh, We've heard for years that the Lions have been looking at the tight end position. And finally, the one that is, I guess, compared to Rob Gronkowski, I guess, since Troy Nicholas, um, goes to the the Lions brain. You remember that. You remember that. Uh, You got me there. That's that's quality, quality callback. Goes to the the Patriots brain trust that is in Detroit. Do we need to talk about TJ Hawkinson? I mean, he helps the running game and he helps the passing game. It is fascinating that like the last nine first round tight ends that have been selected, the Lions have drafted three of them. And two of them. I would say good. finally the Lions take a tight end in the top ten. Yeah. Finally, <laughs> and that's the funny part is that like so they drafted one who wasn't very good. They drafted a second one who wasn't good with them, and then explodes with Indianapolis. I you know the thing is is that I mean I was trying to figure out which one was Eric Ebron that you were you talking go. about. Uh, I think that <laughs> Hawkinson. I think I texted you this, Josh. I think Hawkinson is a really special player, and so yeah. I don't really have a trouble with this. That that history is certainly uh, disconcerting when you look at it. But like you mentioned, they want to run the ball. He's going to be able to help that. He is a very good receiver. I don't actually think that there he's a worse receiver than Noah Fant, who we'll talk about later. So I think that I, I think this is a good pick for them, and it's obviously a situation where he could get a lot of targets early. So I think it's a good landing spot for him. And if you're trying to find a, a tight end that's going to be able to contribute immediately, he kind of fits that mold. When I see TJ Hawkinson, I don't not see Travis Kelsey. 
I'll just say hmm. that. Hmm. All right. Uh, the Bills at number nine. I was talking about this in the preview pod that Sean McDermott, in my opinion, is trying to emulate and mirror the defense that he helped take to the Super Bowl with the Carolina Panthers. And they did that last year with Starlo Tulele. They have athletic linebackers and Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds. And now they add that interior disruptor and Ed Oliver that were they were sorely lacking and needed. Um, and he falls into their lap here at number nine. Then we have the first trade of the draft, not until number 10, which was a bit surprising. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers move up to number 10 away from the Denver Broncos only, only for a 2019 second round pick and a 2020 third round pick. Again, that's 10 spots. Um, and they take Devin Bush. Uh, we know that the Steelers have really struggled at linebacker. I'm sure you guys can remember back to like the Alex Collins Baltimore Ravens game since Ryan Shazier went down and they had slow linebackers. And I'll continue to say it. If you have slow linebackers, you have a slow defense. And Devin Bush is anything but slow. He's like a 98th percentile athlete at that linebacker spot and a really, really fun watch. And I like um, this for okay. the Steelers because like the drop off from Devin White and Devin Bush to all of the other Definitely. linebackers is so huge that if this is such a big need for you, you need to trade up. And like you said, they didn't give up a ton to make this trade. Like there, there are people that gave up like the same amount deeper in the first round. So I think this was a good move. Yeah, true. I was going to say, when I saw the move, I thought they were just going to get hammered on the price. And I was like, this is going to be a disaster. And then I saw the compensation. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, it's actually not a bad move. And uh, quick thought on Ed Oliver. He really needs to improve his coat wearing ethics. <laughs> wow. Um, but continue. Wow. Uh, but compare that to what the Packers and Saints did in their trade last year. The Saints moved up from 27 to 14 and traded away a 2019 first round pick and a 2018 first round pick. So that was two first round picks to go from 27 to 14. And then again, the Saints do not have a pick till 2021 uh, because of that trade. So <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, let's keep it going with the Bengals. Um, as Mr. Joe Goodberry nailed, and Joe's just the best at this, if Jonah Williams was on the board and neither linebacker was, uh, they were going to take Jonah Williams. And they announced him as a tackle. I just wonder if he'll be on the left side or the right side. And obviously with Zach Taylor coming from the LA Rams, he knows the importance of a good offensive line to keep your quarterback in structure. And that's what they're trying to build there in Cincinnati. And they still have a long way to go. Um, the Green Bay Packers, Rashawn Gary, number 12. Uh, I thought Gary would fall a little bit further here because of the cloudiness around his evaluation. But the Packers signed Darius Smith. The Packers signed Preston Smith. And now they drafted Rashawn Gary. And I actually think like the ceiling for Rashawn Gary's game might be Darius Smith plus athleticism. Um, I don't know, Ray, if you got to watch him at all. No, I, I know. I didn't watch much of him, but I, except for, you know, just watching him uh, against Penn State. But, I mean, obviously the measurables are there. Production hasn't been there. I think this is more interesting from a, from a, like, how are they trying to build their defense situation? Obviously, Mm -hmm. they identified pass rush as their number one need. They threw a lot at it. Later on, they were able to get a safety, which was another need for them. So you look at it and they, they, they're checking off boxes of checking off boxes. And I, you know, some people put, I saw in some mocks that they were putting receivers to them here, putting uh, tight end Noah Fant to them here. I like that they're they're going, all right, what we can get the elite players here, and then there's enough depth in this draft, especially with pass catchers, we can go and try to address that later. So I, I don't hate this pick. I, I think that they're, yeah. you know, we'll see what happens with Gary if he's able to develop, but I, I think it's fine pick. And ho- hopefully you're not just assuming that they're going to take wide receivers and tight ends and running backs and whoever, and then they don't do it. Because, like, they're adding a ton of talent and they have in the last few drafts to this defense. But, like, at some point, they got to, like, help out Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens in, in, the, in the next six rounds of this draft. Okay, let's go to Miami at 13. Christian Wilkins into your defensive line out of Clemson. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, it's a team that, you know, is probably not going to win a bunch of games in 2020. But other than Charles Harris, they had no one on that defense that can create disruption. And Wilkins can do that from the inside. Uh, the Falcons, a bit of a surprise at 14 with Chris Lindstrom. Uh, they trade back in. We'll get to later on for another offensive lineman. They went out inside like Ty Sombreo and James Carpenter and Jamon Brown, like all these maybe average starters at offensive line, and then just go and uh, select two in the first round. So we know what they 
think that their biggest need yeah, is. Yeah, and that was the that was the weird part to me. I mean, if you if you look at this board and you see what was there and the need that they have on the edge, I mean, linebacker wasn't really a, there for them, but the need they have on the edge, you saw what was there. And they go in and they pick a for a position that they kind of already strengthened. It was a bit odd, especially they did it again, but I mean this this team really doesn't have that many needs. So I suppose if you're going to yeah. build somewhere, building on the offensive line and then hoping kind of that depth that pass rusher can can get you through makes That's some good sense. Point. Yeah, and last year like the defense was so bad because of all the injuries, yeah. like just a ridiculous amount of injuries it faced. Uh Pat, let's go to 15 and I want to get your opinion on this cuz you obviously blurbed a whole bunch of of Redskins news this week. It kind of seemed like as soon as um, the ownership, the Daniel Snyder's, the Bruce Allen's got involved. We knew it was going to be a quarterback and it ended up being Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio <laughs> state here at 15. So I think my new favorite draft process ever um, is the owner sitting in on only one meeting and it being with a player <laughs> who went to high school with his son Yep. and then the owner then mandating uh, that the team take the player. So kind of a dubious process. And uh, you know, I want to like Dwayne Haskins, the numbers, you know, speak for themselves. Uh, he puts the ball like on his pass catchers. Like he throws a good ball. I don't really love the way he like flicks it, but you can make, you, you understand like the, the positive arguments for Dwayne Haskins as a passer, but I just don't know. I mean, we know Tom Brady, not mobile. We know Phillip Rivers, not the most noble mobile guy. I just don't know if in the 2019 NFL, if, I mean, he, I said this as a joke the other day on Twitter, but his, his lateral mobility, like truly actually reminds me of Ryan Mallett with Dwayne Haskins yeah. and Byron left. I just maybe. don't know if it, yeah, I just don't know if that's a trait you can overcome in yeah. the 2019 NFL. And, uh, they did draft, they drafted another tackle, didn't they? The Redskins, maybe I'm hallucinating. It is very late. Uh, no, it was an edge rusher. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, Pat. Anyways, that was hallucinating then. Um, <laughs> um, I think maybe that was a Twitter misreport. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Oh, they, I forgot they drafted sweat, of course, but anyways, uh, just uh, I'm afraid he's going to be a mega bust, but I, I wouldn't be. Hmm. Sh- I understand the positive case for him, but I just feel like that's maybe a trait you can't overcome. The well, I would, NFL. I would very much disagree with you there. Uh, I, I like him. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to like bang the table for him to go like in the top 10. I thought he was a pretty good quarterback. What I will say, and it might not matter because Gruden might not be there more than another year, but he, he would be, Correct. he is a kind of prototypical fit in that offense. And I, I think, I think that he him is. going there, this is a really good situation for him, especially if they can keep that offensive line healthy. And so I, I actually don't think that this is a bad spot for him. And so I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably hopeful. And like you said, it's not even really about the spot. It's, it is a good spot. I just, I worry. I just, I think the mobility might be that bad that I just don't know if no matter the spot, no matter the system, if he could be successful, but I agree that it is a great spot. It is interesting though, that prior to this year, 10 of the last 11 first round quarterbacks were acquired via trade up this year. All three selected in round one were just from the, the team sitting in their spot. So maybe that's changing uh, a little bit. And the Redskins are just screwed at the quarterback position, just screwed. Like the Alex, the Alex Smith contract is just awful. And so having a quarterback on a rookie deal is going to save them. I, I bet he starts week one. I really do. If at least he shows something because case Keenum's not much to, uh, overtake. Let's put it that way. Okay, sixteen. You don't have much faith in Colt McCoy's leg healing. Josh. <laughs> Not after they tried to rush him back, and he had to have what like three <laughs> surgeries on it. That's crazy. Yeah, great, great, heartwarming NFL story. Uh, okay, Brian Burns was the pick to the Panthers at sixteen. Warm my heart. They talked about how they want to get more multiple, and they actually have someone now that can you know for, force a quarterback off his spot from the outside. Great pick. Uh, now we have the Giants in their second. First round selection at number 17, selecting Dexter Lawrence, the interior defensive lineman out of Clemson. I mean, we all saw this coming, at least I thought, because uh, obviously Dave Gettleman was going to leave this draft with the biggest hog molly, and Dexter Lawrence weighs 340 pounds. Boom, bang, done. I'm told he's big. Yep. He is a big man who can move. He's actually a good pick. It's a solid pick. Yeah. Okay. Vikings at 18. Evan called this one. uh, Center Garrett Bradbury. Another of another NC one of those. State. Yeah, this was going to happen, kind of picks. right. And and why was it going to happen? Because Gary Kubiak is now a focal point of that Vikings offense, and they use zone blocking. I mean, that's what we always associate with Gary Kubiak. And there is not a better zone blocking center in this class. Someone that can reach block 
get to the second level than Garrett Bradbury, who's an outstanding athlete. So again, makes a ton of sense. Um, Titans here, Ray, Jeffrey Simmons, the interior defensive lineman out of Mississippi State. I'd actually heard his name linked to like the Dolphins, and maybe they would have taken him if Christian Wilkins wasn't there. Um, this is a player that tore his ACL early in the draft process, has a DV incident. It, is that the right domestic, way to put it? It wasn't domestic violence, but it was okay. uh, – he, he did – Violence against a woman. That is correct. He did. I mean, and it's on video, so it's not even allegedly. He punched correct. a woman in the face multiple times. Yeah. And that was before his time at Mississippi State. You know, all these reports now state that he has, like, turned his life around and he's a, a great person. Um, who knows? Anyways, the Titans take him at uh, seven at 19, excuse me, and, you know, Jarrell Casey is getting up there in age, but they have someone that maybe in 2020 or the later part of 2019 can create some interior disruption for them. This is, and can I say about this pick? I like aside from the the other stuff, the fact that he has an ACL tear, like, and he's may, might not play this year. I don't think that the Titans were in that kind of situation, especially with the Colts in that division, with the Jaguars yeah. maybe having a quarterback, with the Texans. Their defense was not talented enough to have this luxury of a pick. Now, I've doubted John Robinson before, and I've been very wrong about that. So I'm going to just go ahead and say that. But they didn't really have this kind of luxury. And you mentioned Jarrell Casey. At some point, they're going to have to get him some help. Maybe Simmons is that guy in the future, but I don't know. They really don't have any pass rushers now that Arakpo and Morgan are gone. I How as dare a you say fan, that about Harold Landry? How well, dare you I, say that? Sure. <laughs> Aside from Harold Landry. So, like, as a Titans fan, this this really doesn't feel, fill me with much, you know, with much hope. But then again, like I said, Robinson has has a decent enough track record here. So we'll see what happens. All right. Next is the Broncos at 20. This is the trade back from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it kind of makes me think that they probably would have taken Hawkinson at 10 if he was there. But now they take Noah Fant, who, you know, some people view because Hawkinson is compared to Rob Gronkowski, they view Fant as this like Evan Ingram or Jordan Reed tight end. He's not that. Yep. He's not that at all. Like he's not that comfortable after the catch. He's an extremely good athlete. It reminds me actually a lot of Dustin Keller. Um, and I actually think he's he's much better in line than given credit for. And I, again, hopefully he can help this offense and this team early on, but he might be one of those tight ends that, you know, might not really develop until a second contract. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't and, shock me. And to that point, he reminded me actually a lot of Jared Cook. Is who I yeah. is who I think of him as straight and, line. Yep, straight line athlete, which is fine. I mean, he can get down the get down the field and he can make plays. And they had to get a tight end. I mean, you looked at their tight end depth chart: Jeff Hireman, Troy uh, Fumagalli, which I don't know what you thought of him. Jake Butt coming off yet another ACL. Joe Flacco, right. Say, pour one out for Jake Butt. I know it's sad, uh, but. Hey, Joe Flacco is a four tight end quarterback. Exactly. Joe Flacco so has targeted over his point. last three seasons a tight end on 22.5% of his throws, which would have been the eighth highest mark last year. So he's going to target tight ends. Noah Fant yeah. can catch passes immediately. I don't think you're right that he's on that kind of Evan Ingram level, but he can certainly be a an, a weapon in that offense. I You don't think I'm right? I said I think you're right. Oh, Okay. <laughs> All right. And I might be making this up. I might not be correct about this, but I believe Fumagalli has like nine or eight fingers. I know he doesn't have 10 fingers. I That's correct. Yeah, I, I do remember that now. Yeah. Now we're going to go to the Packers. Uh, they move up uh, with Seattle. They trade their fourth round pick, two fourth round picks, I, guess, I should say, in 2019 to move up how many spots? Uh, nine? Nine spots with the Seattle Seahawks and take Darnell Savage, the first defensive back off the board. And Savage's name had been brought up quite a bit uh, in this last week. And he's someone that can pair great with Adrian Amos. Amos played closer to that box roller moving forward. And Savage has real range, real athleticism, and is a aggressive hitter at multiple alignments. He might even play slot corner. Who knows? Okay. Now we keep it moving with the Philadelphia Eagles. Can I say, when you think of the 2019 NFL, I'm just, I'm just going to say I'm not surprised that the first uh, defensive back off the board is a safety. Yeah. Uh, terrible joke here, but uh, it's a, uh, you know, uh, just a little, it's always kind of shocking uh, in this passing environment. Uh, I actually think it's a true statement, yeah, he, Pat, because like this is a versatile defensive back that can play multiple spots yep. and match he up is, with multiple types of receivers. He is Mr. Swiss Army, which yeah. Yeah, you, you could have just gone with the joke too, because yeah, okay. he actually is I apologize. Very versatile. Okay. Let's, let's go. Let's go with the Eagles at number 22. Um, they took who I think is a top 10 prospect in this class, the best true left tackle in Andre Dillard. He's going to fill in probably in 2020 for Jason Peters, who's probably entering the last season of his career. And this is a team that really leans on their offensive line 
And they, once again, are trying to keep a strength stronger. And Dillard just makes a ton of sense there for them uh, in twenty. And this is what you can do when you have basically no needs. Like, they need linebackers, but, yes. that, but that ship has sailed, as we mentioned. They're going to have to address that later once the Devons are gone. But, like, when you, when you basically have no other needs, this is what you can do. It's a luxury pick. Jason Peters is 37 years old. Even if he's able to make it through this season, he's probably going to retire. I mean, it's, it's, it's really exactly what they should be doing. And it's a great value pick. And, and I know a lot of Eagles fans were like, well, we have big V we have that rugby yeah. player that we took in round six who everyone loves, but like you don't move off a player and they even traded. No, uh, did they trade up for him? Yeah. They moved up again, I believe um, to get Andre Dillard here up from 25 to 22. Um, and you, you don't not take Andre Dillard because you have some rugby player that you believe in. You know, <laughs> his future is probably, you know, a swing tackle. And that's great. But again, Andre Dillard's the man. Okay. 23 Houston Texans. Uh, okay. Titus Howard, Alabama State. I'm a big Titus Howard guy. He visited 24 of 32 teams ahead of this draft process. I don't know if I remember a prospect doing that. He comes from the FCS level of football. He's, he's played and started on the left side and the right side. He rotated depending on his quarterback's um, hand, I guess. And that is the most FCS fact I've ever heard. <laughs> um, and throwing side maybe is the better way of saying that. Um, and, and Pat, like, finally, the Texans have invested in their offensive line after building up this passing game and this offense and their quarterback and giving him no protection at all. Hopefully Titus Howard can hit because they really need him to immediately. And do you think do you think that maybe they got punked here by the Eagles and that they were they wanted Andre Dillard? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, get, I feel like usually though, if you draft someone like Titus Howard, it, it's like he's like one of those guys that you fell in love with during the pre-draft process. So maybe Dillard wasn't the target, and maybe they actually did want Titus Howard and Taron Armstead 2.0. But it did kind of have the feeling of that they got played uh, by the master Howie Roseman. Yeah. And, and I can tell you that the Eagles were early into Titus Howard as well. And, you know, they might've taken him if they stayed at 25, um, just trying to read the tea leaves here, but they saw Dillard was on the board and jumped ahead of obviously the other team that needed a left tackle. Okay. Now we go to the Raiders. Uh, and this is one to dig into Ray because, and this was no secret that they were going to select Josh Jacobs as one of their first round picks. And they did. So here the running back out of Alabama at number 24 overall. Yeah. And I mean, this is kind of like a thing on two fronts because I don't think you really should be taking any running back in the first round. And if you are taking running backs in the first round, that running back should not be someone of Josh Jacobs quality. I thought he was the best running back in the draft. I don't know what you thought about him. I think, what did you think? Look, I think he's someone that runs hard. And we've seen that John right. Gruden likes those types of running backs, right? Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin. And that in like limited roles and exposures, he was quite good in the passing game. And they just didn't have a running back on their roster. And I really think like at some point they were sitting in their draft room. They're like, oh, we like these other guys on the board and we don't have a running back. Oh, this is an easy evaluation. Just take Josh Jacobs, you know? And it's, it's kind of what we've seen from this regime so far. I was going to say, how did the Raiders like promise a surprise at number four and then genuinely surprise and then have like the worst kept secret in the world at number 24? I thought that was interesting. Uh, I don't, I agree with Ray. Like I wouldn't, there's exceptions I would make for first round running back. Uh, Josh Jacobs uh, was not one of them, but uh, he's he's certainly a player uh, that you can't say you dislike. I feel he gets downhill. He seems fairly fluid to me. He seemed, you know, maybe it's just because, of the Raiders connection, but he kind of reminded me of Doug Martin when Doug Martin used to be good, kind of a low center of gravity. <laughs> shot I kind of like the way it's not a shot. At, it's <laughs> not a shot at me. <laughs> There's a lot of, that is, that is confirming. When are you going to get this through? That is confirming everything I've ever said about Doug Martin. <laughs> Doug Martin used to be really good and that time has passed. So what do you want me to say? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Ray, Ray has pivoted to Devonte Booker. That's, Sorry. I apologize. That is factual. But Josh, Josh Jacobs plays with forward momentum. I could see, how, yeah. Uh, an, yeah. I could see how a coach would uh, get into him. I think that Jacobs. So here's my thing about Jacobs. I think that he was the best running back in this draft. I think that he creates after he's fine and pretty good in the passing game, and, and shows flashes. He could be pretty good there. He Auburn game, sure. He um, he creates after contact. 
He ran better than that four six that you're going to see on his thing when when he went to the pro day. I think he is a little faster than that. I think he's a good all around running back. I don't think that he's a special back, and you should take running backs like him in the first round. But I think that he's a good all around running back and the best option in a pretty bad draft class. That said, the situation now that he's landed in from a fantasy perspective is amazing. I mean, they have Isaiah Crowell, Jalen Richard, and that's it. They lost 270 carries off of their off of the, I believe it's 270 off of their teams. I have to I don't know if I've updated that yet. Off their team last year like they they need a they need a running back and he is going to step in mm-hmm. and probably from day 1 be a their starting running back. I think it's a great situation for him. I don't know if I would make that pick there, but I think it's a really good fantasy spot. Okay, let's go to 25. This is where the Ravens drop back from pick 22. We actually thought that Hollywood Brown might be the pick here. Wide receiver from Oklahoma. Now Marquise Brown is with the Baltimore Ravens. Again, another one that we called on the preview show. It just makes too much sense, right? The Ravens have zero, zero outside receivers. Now, the issue with this is John Brown was having a great year with Joe Flacco. And as soon as Lamar Jackson took over, he started averaging like six targets a game. And his vertical um, production just went down the hill. Now, Marquise Brown is a vertical player who can also run after catching underneath patterns, but he's mainly going to be used as not a decoy is a strong word, but like an outside threat that if a defense says, Hey, we're going to pack the box with seven or eight. Now the, the Ravens can say, okay, we have this speed threat on the outside Pat that at least hopefully will keep you honest. And if it doesn't, then we're going to try a vertical shot here in one-on-one situation. Yeah. It's such a disappointing landing spot from a fantasy perspective, but from the Ravens perspective, it's hard not uh, to love it for all the reasons you laid out. Uh, He can like change. He, what am I trying to say here? So say you could change gears, but that's not, he, yeah, he has to cut. No, but I I know you can change it, but like he does everything very fluidly. Like he doesn't lose much speed. You know, if he's got to make a, like a tiny cut or like a tiny adjustment on a route, he, he, he loses very little speed when he has to make an adjustment. And I think he could be a special player. I mean, he's tiny and in a very questionable offense, so it could end up a huge disappointment for all involved. But I totally bought uh, the Marquise Brown hype, and uh, I hope they can make it work. Uh, even if it's not – probably not going to pay fantasy dividends for a long time. I, 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 hope, I, I think he's good enough to make it work. He was my favorite wide receiver in the draft uh, – coming into the draft. Mine too. And so I love this pick for Baltimore. I hate it for his fantasy value. It's kind of an opposite situation of the other first round wide receiver who we'll talk about in a second is that I, I think that Marquise Brown is a very good player. Perhaps Lamar Jackson takes a step forward. And, and to be fair, his best kind of throws last year or his most consistent accuracy was down the field. So that could work out for Brown, but it's just not a good situation. Fantasy situation. You have to worry about, volume you have to worry about his quarterback you have to worry about the eight tight ends they have on the roster coming in and taking all of all of the targets <laughs> you have to worry about you have to worry about what happened with John Brown as Josh said it's just not a great fantasy situation and it's tough to really feel good about yeah. it and he is going to be look we don't know what's going to happen on day 2 day 3 but right now he is the biggest day one loser from a dynasty perspective in my opinion uh this is a joke but there's truth to it I, I hope he does some really good things with the six targets he's going to see yeah, every game. You exactly. Know? <laughs> no, that, that's not a joke. That is real. That's what well, it is. If, yeah. That's if they get if they get Lamar up to ten to twelve passing attempts, he's going to get those four to six targets. So. Look, anytime you can throw to twenty seven year old Hayden Hurst in the middle of the field over Marquise Brown, <laughs> you got to do it. Okay, we're going to power through these and maybe that's a weird you guys, way to say wanna, Nick Boyle. Sorry. Uh, we're going to power through these next ones. If you guys want to interrupt, you can Uh, Montez sweat. The Redskins traded back into the first round to select him. Obviously Montez's Montez sweats evaluation was not clean. He had the heart issue pop up at the combine, which actually might not have been an issue according to rap sheet. Uh, And he also had that transfer from Michigan state to Mississippi state. Anyways, I thought he was a possibility at 15 for them. They get him here at 26 after losing Preston Smith. Montez sweat. In an offensive agency. tackle per <laughs> yes, per per, per, per <laughs> run up bat. Now, to be fair, I clearly I knew who Montez was. I for some reason I thought I think maybe I was. Pat, thinking you don't have to explain team. yourself. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Just, yeah, it's again, fine. It's one a.m. But, You're good. And, uh, okay, this is great. This is just a behind the scenes look for everyone about the dynamic that the three of us have. Okay, now we have twenty seven uh, with the Raiders' final first round pick, and they take a strong safety out of Mississippi State and Jonathan Abram. Let me lay this out for all of you. 
Okay. Evan Silva loved the pick. Well, let, let me lay this out for all of you. Look, I, I look for decision makers that have trends and types. Okay. And many times that comes in, in the case of thresholds and athletic testing. The Raiders, again, took an edge rusher at number four with not a complete, with an incomplete athletic profile. Then they took a running back who tested in the 18th percentile. And then they took a strong <laughs> safety at 27 with a, an athletic profile, I believe, in the 36th percentile. So clearly, Mike Mayock slash John Gruden, the combination of the two, are not really into athletic testing. At least these three picks can tell us that. Yeah, I mean, that's what nerds are into. When your first round picks, <laughs> when your first round pick is a, a somebody a reach, a running back, and a box safety. I mean, <laughs> I, I, kind of yeah, I don't itself. know what to say. Like at that point, I guess we don't have to say much. Maybe they smell good. Who knows? Mike, okay, Mike Mayock <laughs> blinked twice. If you are being held against right. your will. Right. Now we go to the Chargers at 28, one of my favorite picks of this Wax first round. Wax poetic. Let's you, hear you write a Let's hear you, you write a You poem. all know, I, I won't go too long. You all know I love Jerry Tillery. I love Jerry Tillery. And what did the Chargers struggle with down the stretch last year at stopping the run? Tillery can do that, but he offers pass rushing upside as well. So um, love the pick. Easily love the pick. Okay. Now we get to Seattle who had this pick at 29 and they made it because of that Frank Clark trade and they selected LJ Collier, who was like a fringe top tier edge rusher, probably like I thought the cliff was, I guess at the time I thought it was Cleland Farrell uh, as the last <laughs> first round edge rusher uh, that turned, he turned out to be the first one. <laughs> um, but it certainly is a need here for Seattle. Uh, he can play on the outside and even rush from the inside as a three technique if they need him to. Uh, then we had the Giants trade back. One of these years, the, the Seahawks are going to make a first round pick. I can feel it. <laughs> well, they did. They did. No, you know, I'm saying. Yeah. 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 I got you, first Pat. Round quality yeah, I got you, Pat. Josh. Yeah, okay. Got you. Oh, okay. That's a good joke, Pat. I just missed it. It went straight <laughs> over my head. Um, now with the Giants trading back in, this was another Seattle pick. They traded with the Giants. Giants selected DeAndre Baker who's a corner out of Georgia. Um, look, we know Dave Gettleman cares about size and thresholds at every position. Maybe not a height weight one here for DeAndre Baker, but he has 32 plus inch arms, which you can go back to Dave Gettleman selecting James Bradbury and Daryl Worley during his time in Carolina. It makes sense. 31 Falcons traded back in with the LA Rams to select a offensive tackle, Caleb McGarry out of Washington. I thought McGarry could go much earlier. I thought he could be the pick. Um, with the Houston Texans, he's basically a right tackle only, and that's fine. They're going to have a new guard and a new tackle after signing a new guard, tackle, and utility offensive lineman free agency. And then we close it out with Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver, out of Arizona State. Um, Ray, like a lot of people love Nikhil Harry because of the production he posted up. Um, but at Arizona State, he played on the outside. He played on the inside. He's great in contested catches. There are questions some people have about his separation. But – I'm not going to say those all go away because he's on the Patriots, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that some people might forget any questions that there possibly are because he was drafted by the New England Patriots. Well, I, it's not even that he was drafted by the Patriots and it's a great landing spot. I very, very much believe, and I think we've seen this and some of the stuff that Hayden Winks did before the draft, that draft capital is a very important thing to consider. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he went in the first round and he wasn't my favorite, I, I worry about his ability to separate. And I think that that is even though he's very good in contested situations, that that was a concern, especially when there are other guys that do the same things he does. Hakeem Butler, JJ Kega Whiteside, and still are better at separating, in my opinion. But I mean, the testing numbers are there. The production is there. He now is a first round pick who's going in a good spot. I mean, he's going to, like I said, he will be the exact opposite of Marquise Brown for me. It's poss It's very possible that I'm wrong about him, and I that's something you really have to consider always. And the fact that he went in the first round and landed in the spot, he's going to fly up my board. And if he ends up being the 101 in rookie drafts, I probably it's probably be a little still a little rich for me. But I could completely understand why that would happen. All I really know about Nikhil Carey is that every time I saw him, he was like on a bro date with a cornerback. <laughs> yeah, just uh, <laughs> exactly very 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 intimate with the court cornerback usually and. uh I, I I don't really understand the hype or the first his stance annoying. He always looked very stiff. I just hmm. don't really like much about him. And Bill Belichick, the genius that he is, has uh, a checkered history of drafting wide receivers. Um, hopefully he's breaking that here. Because I don't I don't root for any pick to be a bust. But uh, 
yeah, I, I, I did not love the selection. I, I do think it's interesting that towards the end, and they won the Super Bowl, so it wasn't that big of a hindrance. But towards the end of the season, once Josh Gordon uh, was no longer on the active roster, um, the wide receiver group got small. You know, it was Julian Edelman, it was Philip Dorsett, Chris Hogan. I mean, they got small, and Nikhil Harry is anything but small. Um, wide receivers do not matter, is what Bill Belichick proved last year. Then, then he takes one at 32 overall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After exactly. taking a running back in then the he's first round single- the year before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's decided – he's single-handedly decided to make running backs and receivers <laughs> matter again. Yeah. Um, so. I, do, I do kind of think that the Falcons uh, had some intel and jumped the Patriots because I know a lot of Patriots people were saying that they had significant interest in Caleb McGarry at their right tackle spot. So just something to consider. Okay, we're done, unless you guys have any closing thoughts. Um this was great. Thank you so much for staying up until 1 a.m. on the East Coast with me. Uh, Ray and Pat, I appreciate it. You guys are great. Pat, I know you have a column coming out. We can plug that here. You have yet to write it. So what is it going to be about? No, how dare I? I'm done with it, Josh. <laughs> I, no way in the world. I have zero words. Um, I am not a father with two children who has to get up early in the morning and has zero words written. So I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. It'll be a recap of the first, the article that I've already written is a recap of the first round and all the night's <laughs> biggest storylines. Somehow Pat was writing it as he was podcasting. Incredible. You should just uh, get a okay. transcript yeah. of this, like, and just put it, and right. just put that out. Wow. <laughs> Uh, okay, and Ray, are you writing a recap one of these nights as well? I will be writing Friday night's recap. Thank you for asking. There we go. There we go. We will not have a podcast on uh, Saturday morning recapping Friday night because that's pointless because the draft starts at around noon Eastern on Saturday. So instead, we'll do a recap of the entire draft after Saturday is over. So until then, be sure to subscribe, leave a ring review. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.